This is Rugger Matrix, episode 153, Split Screen. Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International. I'm your host, Juro Sin, and it has been a long break while the Olympic Games and other matters have been taken care of. Tonight, we catch up with Les Kiss, and it's a unique look split screens. You'll see what I mean in a moment. In the meantime, don't forget our major sponsor, Strike. Australia's leading provider of Bluetooth car kits, handheld devices, motorcycle devices, reversing cameras and you name it. Go to strike.com.au, enter the code RUGGERMATRIX and you'll get 10% off. Now it's time for Rugger Matrix episode 153, split screen. Welcome to our split screen, and as I look to my left, there's uh, Les. G'day, Les. You look to your right. Les Kiss, how are you? Which way should I look? <laughs> I look your okay. Right. Got you, mate. How are you? I think so. Anyway. Nice to catch up. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, a little bit unique for this catch up because uh, of uh, a busy morning, and uh, I know we've been uh, pretty busy for the last couple of months, but the Olympics and all that sort of stuff means it's, uh, it's been hard to get together. Uh, now we've cleared that all out of the way. I've caught up with my good mate, our good friend from Ireland, none other than the former Queensland state of origin hero. Well, the I can't say former, can I, Les? You're still a hero. Well, I'm a for, former player, mate. Leave former it at player, that. still a Queensland hero. Uh, Les, uh, how you been, mate? Uh, tour to New Zealand and uh, almost a mighty upset and then the game we won't talk about too much... Uh, but uh, you're back in Ireland. What have you been up to? Well, um, the first week back, I um, I didn't get a chance to drop into Australia. I flew straight back over the over the uh, country there and back to Ireland where the family was. And the first week was just inviting myself into the, the misery of that last game and analysing it. But um, also took a lot of good things from the second test, as you mentioned there, Brock, uh, Bronk, the, uh, the, the near result. Um, but still, it was a loss, so... Um, but, you know, after the analysis of that first week home, I, I took a couple of weeks off and um, had a break with the family and freshened up. And, and we're right back into the fold again now, getting around to the provinces, meeting the coaches, uh, chatting to the players and in individual meetings, etc. And um, uh, getting ready for the November series from this far out. Probably the more pressing concerns are the, the, the players getting through their pre-season and getting ready for the, the Rabo Championship, which starts next week, uh, as does the Aviva, I believe. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. We've got some great picks through from Michael Paler uh, promoting the Aviva Premiership, so we'll be making good use of those. We'll talk about that in a moment, though, Les, but I guess um, you pushed the All Blacks to the wall probably better than any other team since the World Cup final, I think, and uh, then, then you got annihilated in the, in the third test. But uh, in all seriousness, as a coach... And as a group of uh, mentors, you would have gleaned a lot of data out of that game. A tight game against the All Blacks and a game where it didn't go your way. Uh, and that's what they can do to you. And there's every chance well, of they... doing it to Australia this week. So, oh, But I think you can walk away with an enormous amount of information about, OK, how do we get out for one game and not get up the next week in such a short period of time? Well, look, there's no doubt this. the first to the second test was, um, you know, 
coaching is all about and, and playing is all about. You learn a harsh lesson about the speed and tempo and, and intensity of a New Zealand style test. Um, you know, they are the standard bearers and, and when they, they're given a chance at Eden Park, they'll take it and, and, and rip most teams apart, which the Wallabies have to come up against this weekend. But the second, you know, first of the second test, the boys were, were very focused and got in front of the game, in front of the issues that we had to had to approach and and did a good job in terms of, um, you know, putting in a great performance. But, um, you know, the third test, uh, you know, I wouldn't dare shortchange the guys. They, they're as harsh on themselves as anyone else. They they uh, they feel very down about the whole thing. It's you know those types of results really aren't um, what you would call acceptable at all. But um, you know there are some accentuating circumstances around it. But true to the uh, the quality of the players in particular uh, and Declan and Co, it's 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 not something we'll lean on with ease. Um, we certainly have some areas that we need to look at and make sure we get on top of and improve. But uh, it, 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 it'd be remiss just to shortchange the guys and try to explain that off it with a frivolous statement. It, it's an important uh, situation that guys understand um, in terms of a, a performance that's not good enough. Uh, but there are some good things to take away from it. You know, one of the one of the critical things we have to do, and and this is not trying to sweep it under the carpet, but we can't just focus on the 60 nil. If we analyse 60 nil only, um, you know, it'll be a dangerous thing to do. We've got to find the clues from the first of the second test and where we nearly 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 got the uh, All Blacks. If we get the right clues from that and go forward with that and take the right lessons from the last game, we're going to be in a pretty good place because uh, we do believe in the players very much. But um, the other thing too, I think Bronk is. Uh, well, two things. You know, we're the, probably the first team in, in a long time, probably since the Lions, that have had the, the the chance to play the All Blacks three times anywhere in a row. And it's a tough proposition in anyone's eyes. There's no doubt about it. So we, there's there's a reality about where we have to stand up or step up to the plate in terms of how you have to be prepared at that elitist level, the top level. You know, when the All Blacks are at their best, you have to be at their, that at your best, and you need your firepower your big guns out there playing, you know, we, and these aren't excuses, but the reality is that we have to understand is we have to build better depth and in positions and, and get quality, uh, players at a level of physicality and, and technical proficiency at that level to be able to perform at the best stage. And that's the all black stage. And that's, you know, we, we missed the power of Steve, Stephen Ferris, Paul O'Connell, who's, who's massive in the game, Tommy Bowe, who was great, Jamie Heaslip in the last game, Gordon Darcy. So there's a big gap there where we did lose a lot of experience, but um, but you still can't lean on back and say it was acceptable, that result. But uh, look, I, I think looking in the current circumstances of the All Blacks' performance in the weekend, they probably didn't get out of second gear. The Wallabies were, you know, uh, put under a lot of pressure and their, their skill sets failed under that pressure. Um, but, you know, beware the wounded Wallaby. We always know that. They can get over there and possibly do a job, but... If, if they were to put out something similar um, and the All Blacks got into third, fourth, fifth gear, it could be dangerous. Um, so, you know, a little bit to be seen. The weather might play its part as well. But, um, you know, there's a big challenge for the Wallabies this weekend. Well, that's the big thing, isn't it, Les? Uh, we can all say with a great deal of confidence that uh, the All Blacks were basically in first gear and really didn't get extended. They used their much heralded centre pairing of Ma Nonu and Sonny Bill Williams as decoy runners 
and that's yeah, pretty much the, the part they played during the day, Les. Uh, um, so the Wallabies may have concentrated on them, and as a result, everyone else outside proved to be dangerous. Yeah, a little bit of a rope of dope there, wasn't it? They, they, they built everyone built the the image of trying to stop Sonny Bill and, and Mananonu, and uh, and it probably took the focus, and 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 rightly so when you saw the the attacking lines that the the All Blacks threw at the Wallabies at, but those two set piece scrums, you know, the defence line had to check for those two big monsters coming against the grain. They had to check their footwork and, and shape their body to be able to do that, but then they just unleash the lights of Dag at the back end, uh, you know, linking with Jose Gear, who's also a big guy and a huge threat. And, um, uh, you know, Carter's, when he's got all those options at his disposal and a forward back that's given him a good scrum set piece to work off, it's a very typical thing to close down. But, um, you know... I know there's been a little bit written about Curtley's performance and he wouldn't be happy with it at all, but they certainly were on the front foot. Everything came at him at a rate of knots and um, he, just, he didn't quite nail the deal like he possibly should have. Um, but the All Blacks in those two set-piece plays were absolutely sublime and and, and they did set up the defence to hold on Sonny Bill and um, Mananonu and, and just you know, went out the back and into the space that they created. Les, uh, I guess... You don't want to talk them up too much, but how good are the All Blacks now? In the, I guess I don't think, yeah. they, they've been talked about as one of, the, if not the uh, one of the greatest All Black sides of all time. What do you think? Well, in the professional era, they they're going from you know what they were in the amateur great to even greater heights, and uh, I think there's a couple of factors that, that come into play. I, I think it was. Uh, a critical decision they made in the back of the last World Cup, previous World Cup 2007, they stuck with our Henry and co and, and, and kept the continuity there. They developed the right areas uh, to move forward. Um, so they they maintained the right type of continuity they needed to in their systems, which I think has benefited the whole country. Um, particularly when they got to, the fire, um, got to a level of performance, um, they backed them and that was important. But they still had good results leading up to it. You know, a French result, a forward pass. You know, there's a lot of issues around that. But also, what they've done in the professional era is they haven't stood still. They could have rested on their laurels and said, "Look, we're good, uh, and it's hard for teams to beat us." But what they have done, they they've really pushed the boundaries and the envelope in terms of making sure players develop not only uh, physically, which is obviously ha- obviously happening, but their skill sets and their tactical nous and it all comes together under under what I would say is is a, a team that puts t- puts the best physicality on the field on a consistent basis. And by that I mean they work to their strengths and their physicality. And I think the key to coming up against the All Blacks in a team like that is to ensure that you don't don't try and fight their physicality in their way. You've got to know what you're good at phys- in your physicality stakes. Um, how you use your physicality is very important because it's, it's difficult to match them because they've got it right across the park. So you've got to use your small players smartly. You've got to use your speed and agility and agile nature in, in a smart way and, 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 and attack them in, in different ways. But you, you can't shirk that physical area of the game. But you've got to find the best way that suits you. And, and I think we did that in the second test when we played the All Blacks. We got to a point where we, where we knew we could put our type of physicality in front of them. And I think that's going to be key for the Wallabies this weekend is how they put that forward 
in their way that suits them to create the game they want and open up their game players. But I, I think the All Blacks in the professional era have been absolutely unbelievable and, and all credit to, uh, you know, the, RF, uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union for, for putting Hanson on and, and, a, and a fair bit of continuity there, a couple of new coaches, but um, they're doing very well with their systems. Well, as it simply comes down to pressure, doesn't it? And uh, the Australians uh, were guilty of some loose play and they were reluctant to build pressure against the All Blacks. If you're looking for some uh, vulnerability in the All Blacks, it's the same as anyone. If you can build the points, you're a big chance of causing the upset. That's exactly what you did in Game 2. And if the Australians were able to do that, you know, it wasn't a blowout by any means, but everyone knows that they were completely outplayed on the night. But they were very close to building the pressure. And I've seen plenty of all-black teams uh, fall to bits if the pressure becomes too much because suddenly oh, they lose a little, a little bit of confidence in their flair and, uh, and style of play. As soon as they do that, then things go a little bit pear-shaped. Yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword that uh, or that happens from there. If you do that and you push them into that place where they do get a little bit uncomfortable, it's amazing the the, the type of confidence that a team builds from that. You know, our confidence in that game we went to, when we went to ten nil, um, we had a lot of accuracy in the types of kicks that we wanted to do with pressure and putting uh, surveyor and a few people under pressure with high balls. We so we got results out of that. Um, you know, we had a lot. Our kicking game, in terms of its length in, in creating field position, was more effective. Uh, our, our, our ruck work, as I said, our physicality, the tackle contest, and the breakdown was better. So we created the type of world where we could put a bit of pressure on. We got early points. Then they got into a different place where they had to go, and it was uh, credit to them. They kept coming at it and, and chipped away at the, at the scoreline through penalties here and there, and a, and a try just after half time. But they had to work very hard for it. Now the Wallabies need to ensure they. It's not a necessity, but if they get a six, three, six, nine start, maybe a try, and if they get to ten nil, uh, now they're with every chance of doing some damage. I do. F- I do feel that losing the likes of Pocock, even Horwell and, and, and James O'Connor being out of the team and now Kepu's gone, that you know, they're they're similar to us losing, you know, Ferris and Pocock and, and Tommy Bow. It's it's you know, it's hard to take big guns out of your line out and then still come up against the All Blacks, but um, but it is possible. But you you're right, Bronk, you need to be able to put the right type of pressure on that push you in the area of the game that you get a start and make the All Blacks visit that world they don't like. Uh, not that they don't like it, they, they can get there and handle it, but it's a place that they're most uncomfortable with and you can take advantage of that. Well, enough about the All Blacks. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, talk about what's happening in your neck of the woods. And, oh, and by the way, um, what, how good were the Olympics? Uh, and I mentioned oh, it earlier in the program, that's why we've been off air for a couple of weeks. Uh, a bit longer than that, actually, because it's been quite chaotic for a lot of us involved in covering the games for mainstream media. But over there, tremendous excitement, and I understand uh, you've been right behind one of your great little Irish boxes. Oh, she was sensational, <laughs> Katie Taylor. In all honesty... Um, could, she, could she smash you? Hello. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say I won my last fight by 50 metres, but I reckon she, once I threw a punch and run, she'd catch me anyway. But she's a, she's a sublime, beautiful little boxer, and uh, she she brought out the, the true Irish spirit, and um, not only here in Ireland, but in, in the, the XL, the, the boxing centre at, at the Olympics in London there, the absolute 
uh, unbelievable support she got from from the Irish contingent that travelled, and also the, the the English who were there. They they got right behind her as well, and you know she had a lot of plaudits coming away as one of the the, the finer looking or finer boxers. Her technique is wonderful. You know she's she is brilliant, but she was a breath of fresh air to the country, and um, and rightly so. Is uh, is is the poster girl of the of the nation at the moment. She's she was absolutely sensational, and um, it's been great for the country and. Uh, and, and me living here for a while now, I've got washed up in it as well. It's been fantastic to see a gold medal come back. In actual fact, it's the best Olympics that Olympic, uh, that Ireland have had since the Melbourne Olympics in 56, was it? Yeah, 56. Uh, so that's a great return from How yeah. could you forget yeah. you were there? <laughs> Turn it up. <laughs> uh, uh, it was it, tremendous, wasn't it? And across and being here really close and seeing it in our time zone, the Olympics were fantastic. You know, Jessica Ennis was brilliant. Um, uh, Usain Bolt, what do you say? The 800 meter. Bolt, know, what's his, uh, the, the, the 800 meter. I forget his uh, name now, but he was fantastic. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mo. Yeah, the Mo. The, Mo, the, Mo. the Bolt. It was yeah. brilliant. And also, I have to take my hat off to Sally. Uh, Sally Pierce. Um, she was brilliant. Pressure run to win the 100 meters hurdles for oh, the women. Yeah. She was. Uh, she was enormous. If you want to look at it as. Uh, in a historical context, it was a bit like uh, Kathy Freeman winning the yeah. 400 metres in Sydney where the pressure of a nation yeah, was on her. Uh, Pearson yeah. had lost in the Diamond League just beforehand and then she went That's into right. the games. You can tell I've been all over this for the last couple yeah, of weeks. You, you she came right in and she just won. Photo finish. In fact, yeah. uh, luckily um, they don't count the hands as the finishing component because the uh, uh, American girl had hers in front and Pearson yeah. managed to, um, to just oh, win. Perfect so. effort though. And then, uh, and then you're not looking at the pool where Thorpe was absolutely, oh. you know, I'm not Thorpe. So. Thorpe? <laughs> Thorpe? Well, you've been following Thorpe, Thorpe around. He <laughs> <laughs> no, was the, you know. Unbelievable medal take. That, well, in, in all honest, honesty, he, he was on television over here and we had the pleasure of watching him uh, uh, working the cameras and, and being a co-commentator and I, he killed it. He was yeah. absolutely brilliant. He, he was a font of knowledge and he's, the way he delivered it all was fantastic. I thought he did a fantastic job here. He was great, um, but the greatest Olympian, Michael Phelps of all time. Um, yeah. I know they've been saying, how do you judge this? And it's a bit like how you judge players and titles and stuff like that in rugby. Um, what What is the ultimate aim of that? Is it awards or whatever? Or is it just, you know, what you see week in, week out? Or what we see games in, games out from Michael Phelps is an extraordinary amount of gold medals. And uh, no one's done better than him so hasn't doesn't, doesn't he have to be the, the greatest of all time I know you have more swimming events but if they're there to swim and win um, yeah. they're just tremendous and uh, what an athlete well you know you know you talked about Mark Spitz years and years ago before anything became close it was like how can that be beaten but and it was, it was recognized as one of the great feats in sport but this bloke's gone out yeah. and got 18 gold plus another five others or four other six others it's it's phenomenal what he's achieved but overall mate I think the London Olympics was a great show they put together it, it reminded me a lot of Sydney how it just pulled a, the city together and it just yes. it just it just got into a into a great mode and vibe and it, it was it was a, a great experience for the English for that to happen the way it did and um, I spent a few days over there and the place was just a buzz and uh, uh, fantastic work by them I thought well I can't believe it though in the opening ceremony they couldn't resist a dig at the Australians because all of a sudden 
no relevance whatsoever, not for a long time anyway. Uh, they showed uh, rugby clips from the home nations. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they had to include Ireland scoring against Australia, I think it was. And uh, then also, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong there, but, uh, but it was very quick, but little clips of rugby and including the worst of all, Johnny Wilkinson slotting the lift drop goal in the 2003 grand final, in the final of the World Cup. So what was that about, Les? Uh, I didn't actually notice it that way. It was but, quick, yeah, but you it probably was could. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, you're in they, America, they you would have missed it all because they cut it all out on NBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what everything. was brilliant, but uh, the Queen's little cameo was brilliant with yeah. James Bond and also Mr Bean, uh, absolutely Mr Bean was fantastic. Like that. Yeah, that was good. So, But I, you know, it, it, put, it puts a lot of um, focus on English rugby at the moment. They're talking about how they can go forward with this and, and make sure they learn the lessons from the preparation and, and the way that the uh, English Olympic uh, Committee have gone about their work and the sporting uh, disciplines there and how that can help uh, prepare them for the for a great World Cup that they're going to hold um, in 2015. So it's, it's going to be um, interesting how that goes ahead for them because there's a lot of talk about that success should should filter through um, to that campaign. And, um, well, that's that's for Stuart Lancaster to worry about, I guess, but um, it, it, it certainly was uh, a fantastic game and a lot of good lessons to be learned from all sporting organisations, I think. Yeah, Clive Woodward heavily involved with the Olympic Committee over there and in Britain, and so uh, his connection to rugby is what we all know. Uh, but let's uh, moving on to more important things. The Olympics were the build-up to the Rabo Direct and Aviva uh, Premierships coming up, of course, and uh, all the photographic uh, appearances have been uh, run and won, and we're all expecting um, everyone to get stuck in. Uh, what's the excitement levels now ahead of? Uh, the domestic competitions that start with your local home turf. Yeah, well, it's all uh, well underway in terms of the friendlies, they call them here, the trial matches. Um, teams experimenting a bit early on, as you know. They, they look at a few new players, um, some of the internationals particularly um, from our perspective, um, have been given a bit longer break. They won't, they won't join the actual playing ranks until one round one, two and three of the Rabo, but the English players will probably right back into their into the fold and their training and playing the friendlies. It's it's just the different systems that operate uh, through the centralised contracting we have here in Ireland. But um, there's been some interesting games. I've been to a number and uh, uh, and, and seen some interesting results uh, with Irish provinces playing against the English uh, Aviva teams. Uh, look, I think Leinster will be a big force again, without a doubt. Uh, Ospreys lost to Bath last weekend. Um, uh, I'd still say that had to be the next major threat in the whole competition again. The the likes of Ulster and Munster, closer to home, have got new coaching setups uh, with terms of head coaches and a couple of other coaches. So, um, you know, they've been building around the new systems that they want to employ and uh, they've had, uh, you know, each time they've played it, it's it's sort of come together for them. So there seems to be a lot of promise there, and um, uh, so that looks interesting. Uh, quite interesting. A, a young Ulster team drew with Leicester at, up at Ulla Belfast last week. I still think Leicester will be a strong force. I think they'll. You can't underestimate the depth of quality they have in their squad. So I think they'll be 
they'll be one of the threats of the, the Premiership. The Quins, who won it last year uh, for the Aviva Premiership, played Connaught last week and had a comfortable win, and I think they will be good again. Um, you know, talking with Connor O'Shea recently, the coach there, you know, they're, they're driven about how they get to the next level. So uh, they don't want to just rest on one good year and, and let it go. I, I think they're going to be a big force again. And um, and, and and Leinster, who I think will be very good again in the Heineken Cup and the Rabo, uh, sent an experimental team in a way to, uh, to uh, Northampton last week and got dished up 43-0. So... Northampton may feel that the last year or two they've, they've been great, but they just probably haven't nailed what they would have liked and maybe they're building for a big year or two. But, you know, the Quinns, Tigers and Saints will be, will be big players along with Saracens again, I think, um, uh, in the Premiership. But, um, but closer to home, I think Ospreys and Leinster probably can sit comfortable as the two teams that will probably lead the lead the way in the Rabo at this stage. And, um, and, and with interest, we're looking at how well Munster and, and, and uh, also will go with their new coaching setups. I was going to ask you, uh, what's the progress there at Munster and what's your expectation? Uh, has there been much manoeuvring in the weeks since uh, uh, the last season? Yeah, well, there's been uh, you know a fair bit of movement and a lot of uh, decisions made that have sh- shifted how they they look. Basically, you've got Rob Penny, um, you know, from Great Stock, Canterbury Crusader Stock, and, and come in and um, he's been very successful and understands how how things work at that level in terms of relationship with the national team and all that. So you know, we've built a pretty good solid relationship in the last month or so and um he's he's a he's a great operator and uh uh he's brought in a, a new backs coach in simon mannix um and uh you know he's had a lot of experience at racing more recently but also with the kiwis so you know i think they've really um put together an interesting team and i think they'll get some good pluses out of it also a couple of new players casey lalawa and uh james downey in the centers gives them a little bit a few more options in that area and um uh, well at this stage they haven't had their internationals playing with them but they've also experimented in the back row and had a couple of you know interesting players that they're looking at in their whole squad so overall i think it's always difficult to get on the ground and within six to eight weeks get a handle of everything that you have in your team and and the extra complexity that he does have rob penny with munster is he's got about eight to ten of the the players that came away on tour with us uh are getting a full pre-season so he hasn't had them at training fully you know they've had a different program to get their pre-season work in and they will filter in and join the, the main team over the, the next four weeks. So he's got to manage all that. So he's got a fair bit of his plate in terms of understanding what he's got at his disposal and how he wants to use it and how he wants to put forward his his game style and game plan. And but what uh, what I've seen so far, very impressive. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a good ship there, and and um, you know and some strong continuity that's been continued, particularly with Axel Foley, Anthony Foley. There is a great operator as well. So. A lot of good things there. Their expectations will always be one of, 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 of being at the cutting edge and being at the top top end of competitions, and, and so it should be. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about rebuilding and all these things. Um, however you want to look at it, there is some some way that they have to 
uh, grow with this new setup. Uh, but I, th I expect that they will be extremely competitive. And if they get things right sooner than later, uh, I think to be in a good position. I just hope people are patient in how they want to, where they want to get to, and how they get there. It mightn't happen overnight, um, but they always set high standards. So I expect, you know, super competitive teams. And, and as they saw through the first six or eight weeks of the competition, I think they'll find themselves in a strong position mid-season and go into the back of the year. And of course, the premiership. Uh, a few boys returning to the fold. Uh, Danny Cipriani and uh, James Haskell, uh, who's obviously been a regular on this program, took the long way back to the UK. But uh, so, you know, the premiership bolstered somewhat. Danny hasn't given up on England representation either. No, he hasn't. I think that's been a, um, you know, a, a goal that I don't think ever left him. It was probably a timely uh, intervention in his in his career to move away and, and just feel another culture, get out of the spotlight here, and and maybe get some reality checks about a few things for himself. And uh, you know, I don't think he had smooth sailing in Australia with Melbourne, but uh, I think you can only hope that it's he's come back a, 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 you know, a lot more uh, stable in how he's going to go about his his approach to the game and and all those things because he is. You know, he's an incredible talent and um, sometimes a little bit um, uh, perceived in a certain way that maybe isn't totally fair, but if he can if he can sort out how he uh, uh, puts his uh, persona out there and, and, and take away those perceptions and get on with the job, I think you're going to find a really neat footballer playing for sale because they've, they've recruited well. They've got... Uh, I think probably could be the signing of the year if sale go well. It would be Richie Gray, the big lock from uh, Scotland, has uh, gone down there. And um, uh, you know, if he's going to deliver good ball and, and get a, a forward pack rumbling, that'll be just what Cipriani would love. And um, he's a talented player, so it could be interesting to see where that goes. And well, James um, coming back into the fold, he's a, a character bigger than life, and he's going to be fantastic for the place. And uh, and there's always you know some some good stories around there, uh, that he's prepared to put out there about how things are. So I think, again, he's going to bring a little bit more colour to the championship and, and his style of play, uncompromising, tough as nails. You know, it, it, it'll be welcome back at the fold there for, uh, for him there in, in the premiership. Well, certainly, um, you know, with the top 14 and everything else kicking off as well. I mean, it's a, an exciting time coming up. We're back into it. Uh, Les, uh, you're going to be uh, pretty busy as well. What's your role in the Ireland coaching staff up to uh, in the coming weeks? Yeah, well, there's, we've got a, a one-day camp with the players next week just to, to get them in and, uh, you know, basically sit down and, and, and go through a few things. And there's no training as such, just some meetings. Um we will touch the players again for two or three, two and a half days in about four or five weeks, uh, just bring them into camp and, and build an emphasis about the November series heading into the Springboks and the Argentinian team in the test and also a Fijian game, which isn't a test game. So our focus is about uh, getting to the point where we can get that right. And, um, uh, you know, it's a big, it's, it's always a big ask when you play the Springboks anywhere. And, um, uh, they'll be coming over here, you know, pretty keen to prove that they're they're, uh, they're going to be a new force of, in the world rugby uh, beyond what they have done in the past with Hainik and Mayer making some, um, you know, really astute changes to the setup there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But our focus is about building up for that November series at the moment. 
So I'll be getting around the traps, seeing players, seeing training sessions, going to heaps of matches and um, and hopefully, uh, you know, touch with the players, stay in good nick and don't get injured and um, we can throw out a full strength team and, and do the job against the box. But there's a lot of work to be done between now and then. Well, let's hope you stay in good nick too, Les. Looking pretty sharp there. Now, I can't yeah, I was, oh, no, I was, it's the light behind you. Just, uh, it looks a bit white on top. Yeah, it's getting grey, but um, I thought you, I, I was I was nearly going to take my shirt off and show my guns, but um, oh, please. Yeah, as, as they say here, well, with I, the split I've screen, I don't well. think we could fit them in. <laughs> I'm deluding myself. Don't worry about that. Uh, hey, kissing. It's been a while. Uh, great to catch up with you again, and uh, you know, good luck with all your developments. I know there's uh, some pretty smart fellows in the back room there that you work with. And lucky for you, and <laughs> and uh, it's all uh, looking good. No, looking f- uh, forward to catching up a few more times over the rugby championship, mate. It's going to be interesting. I thought the the box and the Argentinian game bit of a dour affair as they can be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the turnaround this week when they play over in Argentina and see what happens there. But um, uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the competition. Obviously, we'll be keeping a close eye because we play the Argies and the Springboks, so. Uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on the championship and, uh, and and it will be interesting, the Wallabies, how they go and fare over at Eden Park. You know, beware the wounded Wallaby. That, that's always something you have to be aware of, the underdog status that, that the Wallabies do revel in at times. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But um, great to catch up, mate. And, and, uh, and I haven't spoken to uh, Lincoln and, and Cash Cow for a while, so please pass my best on when, uh, when you chat to him. All right, mate. Thank you very much, Les. Speak to you very shortly. Cheers, mate.